0: Very good day to all of you out there. Welcome to our show and I'm talking to Vanessa Thin, a family friend, lawyer to be and we're just having our gin and tonic drink as well as our midnight conversation. Welcome Vanessa to the show.
1: Yes, thank you for having me here Simon.
0: And Vanessa, I'm going to go straight into the question because I know you've been back from UK for almost a year now. Yeah. And I know you were initially planning to stay there for a while even though now your mom told me this, that you know you wanted to come back to Malaysia at some stage, but perhaps at that time you would have preferred to stay in UK than it was a whole time with COVID and getting the visa, getting a job. So could you just maybe walk us through the whole affair and perhaps what influenced your decision-making in terms of ultimately deciding to come back here?
1: Well, I've always wanted to work in the UK for a few years after I graduated because I thought it would be a great experience. And, you know, as Malaysians, we always think the grass is greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. And since I was used to the UK system from bar school, so I thought it would be good to just practice on what they know and then bring back whatever was good to Malaysia. Because from what I heard, some things are better in the UK in terms Mm -hmm. of their system, so that's what I thought. And I actually did manage to get a job, but then, well, it seems it didn't really work out in the end because the firm never hired any international people before, so they didn't know how to do the whole process. So it's kind of fizzled out after that. Eventually, I decided to come back because I realized that there is still a lot of things to learn here. I knew Mm -hmm. eventually I was going to, but it just happened earlier instead.
0: Okay, so was that during the COVID season as well? Yeah, uh,
1: it was actually after the second lockdown. After
0: the second lockdown. Yeah. So UK was kind of opening up already around that time? or
1: Yeah, you still had to wear your mask indoors mm. and outdoors, but it was pretty much you can go out, you know, when you're in the park, you don't have to wear your mask anymore.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. That wasn't the factor that caused you to kind of stay or not stay, right? I mean, the, the COVID situation.
1: Oh, no, definitely not. COVID okay. didn't affect my decision at
0: all. All oh, right. So eventually it's like, okay, I can come back here. Perhaps I can learn something. And, you, you know, I know from experience, we always want to keep our options open, you know, yeah, and especially for, for young persons. And for many students who have experience overseas educations and lifestyle, there seems to be a push. Now, this is just my observation, but I want to know your thoughts. You know, a push Internally, because you know, there's a motivation like what you were saying, we want to learn something, let's try a different experience. Studying and working, very different,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: And there's also the external expectation. You know, I'm not sure whether your family kind of say you should stay there. You should, I, I know, I have friends, their parents told them, We spend so much money on your education, you better not come back so soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no. so, I want to ask you, you, you know, is this something true for yourself you know there is that internal and external push and perhaps motivation to say yeah i better just try and stay to maximize my time out there
1: yeah um internally definitely because since you're already out there, you'd rather just experience being out there because there are some perceptions where once you come back to Malaysia, you are stuck here. Mm-hmm. So it's better to, since you're already out there, just do it first. Externally, my parents did support my decision to stay out there, but my yep. mom was joking, you know, like <laughs> saying, oh, if you come back, you'll have a better life here, you know, instead <laughs> of suffering out there. But I don't know, I never thought about it being suffering. It was more like independence for me. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed learning to do things on my own own in, and then just walking i mean sorry because in the uk i used to always walk a lot yep. instead of taking a car so for me it was exercise and things i think it was just an overall the view was really on independence mm. and just gaining that so i knew once i come back to malaysia i'll be relying on my parents yep. a little bit more I, I think because as malaysians we're used to staying at home i mean yeah. with our parents still only when you get married you kind of move out yeah that kind of difference yeah
0: i do feel that that kind of season can be a good thing because, I mean, I just get the impression from you that you are okay either way, you know, it's like mm. if you're there, you, you will enjoy the independence. If you're back here, yes, the comfort of home, the yeah. comfort of support, but at the same time, maybe you can get to relax. I kind of think about my own life. At one stage, when I first started to work, my parents went to a different nation for their mission work. Mm. So that period sort of caused me to grow up really quickly. But I guess that's what's been happening when you were in UK, right? You were how many years out there?
1: Yeah, I was there for nearly six and a half years. Wow. Okay. So yes, it definitely changed me a lot. I would believe for the better. My parents think so too. Yeah. I think I did. I think so too. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I think I did grow a lot there because Mm. it's just something different when you are thrown out there. And I think the UK and Malaysia is still similar in a sense. It's not overly different like the US and Malaysia. Yep. But of course, because you are there in the UK, in their culture, you really start to embrace, you really think bigger. You think international. Mm-hmm. You're not yep. like stuck here like a kata in a bawah <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the lifestyle and also the legal system. Yeah. Similarity and differences.
1: Exactly. And I grew up watching all these American or British movies and TV shows. And also English is my first language. So Mm -hmm. I always felt there was a different connection being there compared to being in Malaysia.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah. We always encourage people, you know, go and experience life, go and Mm. learn other things. Because when you see how things are done differently, perhaps that is something that people can bring back and help our nation, our society to advance. Now, coming yeah. back again to your whole thought process, because I find it very interesting. Do you have a, like a timeline, you know, like in terms of uh, maybe I will work for X number of years, Then I know we, our life is not set in stone, but do you have 10, 20 years planning? Now, why do I say this? Because just from my personal observation, I know many of my friends, when they decided to stay overseas, life just went past them. And 10, 20 years later, they are still there. Mm. And I've been talking to quite a few recently, and they readily admit they were not sure why they are still there. And Mm. it's like life is not very meaningful because they are not very intentional about their timeline. So I just want to ask you, do you plan in a general sense or are you more like we'll just take one step at a time and see how it goes?
1: I would say I'm more of a one step at a time Mm kind of person Okay. because I really just wanted to see where everything took me. Mm -hmm. But I did have sort of a timeline in my mind where I wanted to be in the UK for another at least five more years or so because I thought if it's just two years, you know, it's kind of short for work. So I thought five years sounded like a good thing. And I don't know if I would ever meet anyone there. So I was like just keeping everything, all my options open, really. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's a good consideration. So five years is semi-small season like yeah. that. So for career-wise, maybe personal development as well. Mm-hmm. But now you are here, you know?
1: <laughs> yes, I am here.
0: Now, of course, while you are away, uh, I mean, we're just checking the timeline just now. I mean, some interesting things happened. Of course, the COVID, the pandemic, you came back. In the middle of it, of course, Malaysia was still very much in the whole mess. Mm. Then, of course, we have the first change of federal government, 2018. I think you were still there at that time, right?
1: Yeah, I was still in the UK. Mm,
0: But of course, I'm sure you were following the developments quite keenly. eh?
1: Oh, definitely. Like, I think most Malaysians were. We were all (laughs) wondering, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen?
0: It's very interesting. After the event, I actually have some friends. I, I mean, of course, my generation is a bit older than yours. They actually call me and say, seriously. Some of them are lawyers, some of them are in medicine and things like that. So they were asking, is it time for us to come back? Now, it's a very interesting conversation because I started to think, why are you not coming back? Is it because you feel like the nation is in such a predicament and nothing can Mm. change? So it did create a hope for a lot of people at that time. Mm -hmm. We knew what happened two years later, the whole collapse. And people felt disappointed. So just from your point of view, do you feel like that change of government maybe caused people to want to consider coming back again? No, you were always open, you were considering coming back. But does that affect you in any way?
1: Because in 2018, I was still doing my degree. Okay. So at the time, I probably wouldn't have considered coming mm. back, even if there was a change of government, not yep. yet. But I think there were people who were excited because they were seeing finally there could have been a change in Mm -hmm. Malaysia. Yeah. Because most of my friends are from West Malaysia. Mm. So their sentiments were stronger than mine because it was really the West Malaysians that really got impacted from the election Mm -hmm. that happened. I don't think they would have come back as soon as that point as well because they were doing the degree.
0: Yeah, perhaps if their timing is right. Because you were saying that you were just meeting some of your friends, right? Just on this trip. Mm. And your classmates, you know, those in the bar, those in the legal school, Mm. quite a few of them actually wanted to come back.
1: Yeah, they always had the plan to come back because Mm. I I don't know, most of them actually... I think because, in terms of law, it's actually a little bit harder to work in the UK because yep. you have to gain pupillage, and pupillage, as the legal profession knows, is not as easy yep. to get as compared if you came back here to Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And also, most of their family and friends were here, and they missed Malaysian food, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, right. for them, the consideration was always more to coming back to Malaysia. But mm. for some of us, we wanted to be like overseas at least. It yep. didn't have to be the UK. Well, for me, I wanted, but other people, it could have been the US or maybe even UAE and other mm. places.
0: Yeah. So even for a legal graduate, you know, to go into bar school it's pretty expensive also, right? I think UK, is it?
1: Some of my friends did their degree and then bar school immediately like okay. me. Some of them never went overseas before and then just went for the bar.
0: Uh-huh, so they okay. kind
1: of saved up money for that. Mm-hmm. or they did twinning and then the bar.
0: Yeah, because I was just talking to some young people who are considering the legal professional path, and mm. I mean, they were just telling me the budget and what they heard and, and yeah. it sounded pretty, pretty expensive to me. And I mean, compared to getting a, a three-year degree in Malaysia to get a UK bar, staying there, board, boarding and food, everything. It, it will kind of cost quite a fair bit to the family.
1: Yeah, I do understand from that point of view, it is money, but then I think it's really worth it to just Mm. still go overseas. I mean, at least go out for that one year. I know some people, they think it's not enough, but I think it's still important to really experience the world out there and really have your eyes opened and really even your mindset shifted. Mm. To be fair, if you go to bar schools nearer the north of the UK, it's actually cheaper rather than going to London or Uh places down south. So you can actually save on boarding and food and all that. Also, grocery in the UK is actually cheaper than mm. Malaysia. Yep, so if yep. you cook your own food, then you're actually fine. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, because I was in Australia for many years and later on, I actually went back and I was just so shocked at how expensive food became mm. in just five to six years, you know. And people were starting to tell me that it's actually cheaper to study in UK. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so that was a few years ago. Now, now talking about the experience, do you feel like it's... The experience of being independent or is it just encountering a different kind of culture and mindset, you know? Mm. What are the things that, that you think are really of value for people if they go overseas?
1: I think what we watch in movies is just one aspect of it. Because mm-hmm. there are actually a lot of Malaysians who watch um, British or American films, but you don't really see them think as wide or as the way they talk, how deep they can go in their conversations. Yep. You can see the difference with those who have been overseas. Yep. You can see what they care about, what how deep they would go in their conversations and how they even interpret certain things. Mm. So sometimes when, I know especially in Sarawak, in my, my hometown, it's yep. quite pro-China. It's quite, <laughs> you know, very Chinese news yeah, tell me and about things it. like that. <laughs> yeah. So they have a certain aspect and the way they act is very different. The mm-hmm. way they communicate or even even manners, you know. Yep. I, f- I feel like some people... Okay no offense to them they don't know how to say thank you yep. they don't know how to talk to people but normally when if you've been overseas you are more like you've been more socially adept to being to doing those kind of things i think for most people it's really good to be away from their parents mm-hmm. I think because some people, when they only go to West Malaysia, yep. from Sarawak especially, they actually come back the same. Mm-hmm. There's not much difference. They may have lived the city life yep. compared to being in Sarawak, but that's about it. You know, Their mindsets have not shifted. The way they act, yep. what they believe in, how they speak has not changed. But if you go overseas, I know especially for my brother, yep. he's still in the US now, but he came back really different. He's more open, <laughs> yeah. the way he speaks, you know, he's even louder than me. Yeah, yeah, which is and hard to
0: believe. <laughs> yeah, for those
1: who know him, he's not shy anymore. Mm. He's really like, confident and all that and he's really learned how to be like a really that gentleman and a bigger person compared mm. to if he was still here i can imagine also if he had gone to a different place he wouldn't have turned out that way so yeah i think it's really beneficial for people to go but i do realize some people who even if they get the chance to go overseas they don't actually change that much mm-hmm. because i think they don't have that mindset they don't they don't set expectations to change yep. because i know for me and my brother and we went overseas we wanted to change and yep. We knew that we could, so we just had to adapt and take on what we liked. Of course, if you see something you don't like overseas, you don't have to follow, you know. Yes, that's but right. But if you see something you like, you should, you know. Why not improve yourself? Then I think an advice to people, if you go overseas, please don't just hang out with Malaysians. <laughs> I know they're, they're nice. I mean, depends. You can have your Malaysian gang, you can have your, you know, British or American, wherever you go. You know, different gangs. But don't just stick to your own kind, you know. Learn yep. and really, like, see their culture. Because... Even like what we see in movies, it can be really stereotypical. Until you reach that, then you really see what something is for what it is. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Vanessa, I really appreciate your your sharing here because I mean, it's so true. You know, you set out to do something different and you Mm. go for that. Mm. And, you know, I imagine it's the same thing that when you decided to come back, it's the same. Then you make a determination that you can adapt, you can do well in Malaysia. So, so it kind of reversed the whole process but all yeah. of a sudden you are like you know I, I'm going to impart the thing I learned here I'm going to try to improve and, and that's such a great mindset because you know, you know it's really at the end of the day I feel it's not about whether we go here or go there but where we are supposed to be mm. and how we can learn from that and I was just talking to your mom earlier on and, and she was saying that how by giving people this kind of experience people start to dream bigger they start to have Mm. a bigger kind of mindset so i definitely think that's a pro side you know that there's a good side of being out there experiencing culture which if there is an opportunity people should really go for that
1: yeah and also people who have gone overseas they will never regret that they went overseas Mm. they will always tell other people to go overseas as well because that's how good their experience was and of course, if you go to the UK, you can travel around Europe, you know, like people want to travel around the world. It's a benefit there.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, very interesting you mentioned this because, you know, it's always good to have uh, experience. And, and you know, one of the trending topic in Malaysia, it, we always talk about it. Every now and then we hear that in a sort of negative light is really the issue of brain drained, and Mm. and then migration, okay? Because a lot of people, especially here, I feel it's maybe a bit stronger in West Malaysia than Sarawak, where people just have a stronger feeling and emotion of wanting to migrate. And in fact, some people were even saying that perhaps it is time to just abandon the sinking ship. (laughs) And I think a few episodes ago, maybe not this season or the last, uh, Lara and I were just talking about the failed statehood. And that's how some people have described Malaysia. No? So the advice would be if you have money, if you are able, just run away, just migrate. So what's your view on migration? You know, I mean, I'm talking generally, you know, are you in favor? Are you not in favor or it really depends? What do you think?
1: Honestly, I've had this conversation with my friends before in the UK, and mm-hmm. we were always talking about whether we should leave Malaysia or not. Yeah. And I think I would say it depends because, okay, I'm actually more to pro not leaving Malaysia, yep. but also I understand the part of that, it depends. That's your personal yeah, position. Yeah, that's my yep. personal position. I know a lot of people from our hometown, Cebu, they actually moved to Perth <laughs> and they love Australia. Yes. And Perth has now been known as the second place for Malaysians to be at, really. Yep. So I think it's actually, funny enough, everybody loves the Ang Mo mindset, the, you know, the, the Western mindset where they think it's really well I, as the americans call it the land of the free you know mm-hmm. in that sense but for malaysia's australia because it's really near and perth is the same time zone as malaysia and all that but i think it depends because i think for most people where you're born at it's really where you have your destiny where you have your mm. purpose yep yep so if everybody is going to leave and abandon malaysia what's going to happen to it you're going to leave everybody I think there are certain people who are meant to do certain things in the country. So if, let's say, they leave the country, it's going to just leave a gap there. So it's either the good people or the bad people that will fill it. So Mm. you you never know that whoever was meant to be government, you know, what if they left? And then what if no one else actually came to fulfill their place for a few years? It's just going to cause the people to suffer. And about this brain drain, especially in Sarawak, there's actually a lot of talented people, and recently we heard news reports online of, you know, they're praising Malaysians for doing this and yep. that, and yet they're not actually in Malaysia, you know, it's sad mm. that they had to go overseas for their capabilities and their dreams to be fulfilled, and I know a lot of people, when you're in Malaysia, the typical jobs are either lawyer, doctor, mm. engineer, accountant, you know, especially accountant, if you don't know what to <laughs> do, which is bad, because you should be accountant only if you love you love it, <laughs> so... Yeah, it's just people don't dare to dream. They don't dare to do new things because they don't want to be the person who breaks through. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be the pioneer. They'd rather play it safe, you know, just do the typical jobs so that they can earn a living. And then, you know, a typical dream, get a house, have two kids with their wife or husband, and then you have two cars, you know. It's caused many Malaysians to think really small, really like, you know, have that mindset. So either you have the money to migrate overseas, Mm -hmm. or if you don't, you're stuck here and just live the normal dream. You know, there's no in-between, there's nothing bigger than that. So I think, especially for those who have gone into higher education, I believe they have a lot of ideas. But of course, if you haven't, I'm sure you have ideas Mm. too. But it's really what is required in the country. It makes the country get worse and worse. So no wonder we keep complaining about it. But <laughs> we're not really doing anything yep. about it because no one wants to be the first one to do it.
0: Now, very interesting observation you made here. Now, do you know that Cebu is one of the town with the highest number of overseas graduates in the whole Malaysia?
1: No, I did not know that. Yep.
0: Per capita. It's one of the highest wow. for the longest time. And yet, every time we look at a town, we feel like, We don't have that kind of overseas experience culture. Exactly,
1: (laughs) and yet we have a culture that is so Chinese. Like, why? So
0: is this a cultural issue? You feel like because you mentioned something very interesting that people were sent, if I can use the word, Mm. to study expected courses. Mm. You know, the medicine, the pharmacies, the engineers, the accountant. So, but they are not being encouraged to be entrepreneur. They are not being encouraged. To be innovative and to really go out there—is this part of the perhaps the conservative culture of our town and maybe Asian in general in, in Malaysia?
1: Yeah, I think what you said is true. It's really the town's culture, what we are expected to do as Asians. Well, I actually described Debo to my friends before <laughs> in the UK and they said, we live in a bubble, you know, that's what we, they described us. <laughs> I and think I, that's a good word. Yeah, and I, at first I got offended because I was thinking, no, we don't, but you know, when I think about it again, we actually do, mm. which is actually a bad thing because, okay, I understand you want to preserve your culture, your history, your tradition. But to what extent, though? You're sacrificing all the betterment of the town just for the sake of maintaining your tradition? Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't sound worthwhile to me. But also, I think in Cebu, more people actually study in, like, Chinese countries, like China, Taiwan, and things Mm. like that. So I think that's why the culture is still really, like, Chinese in the town. And unfortunately, sometimes people are not really brought up in the... Western way in the sense of being open to things or speaking English and things like that. Like, I think even Cebu now is really stuck on just speaking in Chinese or especially the younger generation. Older generation can still speak Fuchao. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then most parents in Cebu don't really know how to inspire their children. Like, I don't mean it in a bad way against them, but I think it's just a fact that you can see. So, monkey see monkey do Mm. the kids kind of just copy what their parents do and they think this is just it for them they don't really see how they can improve
0: and and yeah we are not really saying one culture is superior to another culture but there is the reality that certain cultures are just more open to ideas certain cultures are just more innovative I, I think we can't deny that and, you know, you would say certain cultures are very good at copying, mm-hmm. you know, certain cultures are very good at innovating. That's just a reality. And I feel like people shouldn't be offended because if we want to improve, one of the first things is really we have to have a correct assessment of where we are. Yeah. So coming back to the whole discussion about our, our hometown, mm. so many graduates, uh, I mean, in my year alone, I think there are more than 15 doctors you know, from my class wow. alone. <laughs> and it's just staggering you know. I was telling my wife and she was like this kind of model doesn't really exist in West Malaysia mm. so I mean people don't send so many people to overseas mm. you know we came from school you know it's yes. like it's just everyone <laughs> is like have been so it's interesting I feel like people maybe have that opportunity but not quite ready to be shifted not quite ready to be challenged and just kind of play it safe
1: yeah, but also maybe they don't really know. I really don't want to offend anybody, but it's just I think it's really not in our culture to to really expect that kind of change in mm. the thing because we think we're all okay. And I think it's really high time we, you know, start getting up and really like start thinking of different ways to do things and not just keep doing it the same way. Because I know our town is also quite famous on being able to make money out of nothing in a (laughs) sense. They whatever they they will keep doing and doing and doing it until they hit the jackpot Mm. and things. So it's it's good work ethic. It's good like they want to earn it, but there must be different ways of doing things to really benefit the society as a whole and not just certain people.
0: That's one the. Talent, one of the characteristic when the migrants came over from China because of the hardship, they really brought that work ethic. Mm. Uh, but you know, you know, every time we talk about innovations, the most innovative people they will always try to staff their weakness. You know, I yes. think they will hire people that complement their weaknesses. Mm. So really, I think that is the way, and that's why I'm talking to you about migration and things like that. Because for me, for us to have that kind of change, we need people like you to come back. <laughs> now I'm not saying you should come back and, and you already gave us your whole overview, which is good. I like your mindset of being open and I, I believe some people are meant to be in overseas and they will prosper there. Mm. But if we want to change, we do need people with this kind of mindset coming back. And, and just the last couple of years, you know, I go back to Cebu. I can say, you know, the, the food industry has kind of shifted because Cebu used to be known as one of the most conservative food places Mm -hmm. because it's like they are just so resistant to all kind of other food
1: Yes. And it's not only that, I think it's more to price actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know in the past we used to have certain like really nice food, even Western food, but then because people are not willing to pay the price. They,
0: the, they kinda of shut down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They shut
1: down. So now But they're making a yeah.
0: comeback though. And Yeah they starting are starting to starting <laughs> to I am surprised yeah. some of the food are more expensive than, than here in old okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. So that, that kind of surprised me a mm-hmm. little bit. So so I do see some change but I'm just hoping more and more people like yourself will come back because you really do have that impact. Now, let's talk about migration from a different point of view, okay? And from the point of view of COVID-19 and pandemic, because before that, remember, Asia talk about everyone can fly. Mm. And uh, I mean, we went to US so many times and it's so affordable. I, I mean, I never realized that US could be so affordable. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I have
1: not gone yet, but I've heard the stories. Yeah, I know you're going soon. And (laughs) so
0: it's like before COVID, it's just so easy. And you mentioned Perth Mm. and there are people who stay in Perth, they'll come back to Malaysia every month. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it's just so easy, so affordable. But then all of a sudden with COVID-19, people felt like maybe it is not so easy to be flexible in travel. So I do have a friend, a Canadian, married a Malaysian, have a very successful business here but his son is about to go to university and he just felt like he couldn't stay here and send the son to Canada and not be able to see him for two or three years if another pandemic hit. You know, people are thinking Mm. if another pandemic hit. Mm. In light of this kind of situation, do you feel like perhaps, I mean, for yourself and even maybe some of your friends, in terms of deciding where to go, people are thinking a bit more carefully because once they go there, maybe it is not so easy to relocate. I mean, even for yourself, I was just talking to your mom. I was asking, is Vanessa going back to UK? And you know what she said? Probably not. <laughs> 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 it's a very careful answer, but, but but you get the drift, you know, because of mm. what's happening and the, the policies are changing all the time. Do you get that feel that perhaps people have to be a bit more careful in terms of where they want their base to be?
1: For most people, they are considering it more. I think that was why most of my friends, they prefer to come back to Malaysia because this was really where their family and friends and food Mm -hmm. and all that are. But I think it depends as well because like certain people, I mean, certain friends or even my brother, they still want to be overseas because they still, they love the experience so much that they want to continue being in that atmosphere, in that environment. So I think it depends on what you actually want at the time. So, I think different people, different.
0: Are you making more careful consideration in terms of your next move?
1: Not exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's affected me that much because I believe I will be wherever I need to be. Okay. So, I'm just going to, I'm just trusting God in leading me to where I need to be at the time, at the place, and all that. For now, I'm actually keeping my options open. I don't know if I'll still be in Cebu for now or maybe even come to KL. I know (laughs) a lot of people are trying to export me here
0: <laughs> do they yeah <laughs> um not your not your family i'm sure not the family more like
1: friends <laughs> That'd be yeah interesting yeah so yes you might see me more here yeah we definitely
0: will welcome you here right <laughs> but i just get a feel that you are really flexible in this yeah. sense and you know you are young and you're adventurous and just be ready to go to any adventure which the door might just open. And yeah,
1: literally. I'm always up for adventure. Like I know my mom will always say, wherever I want to go or do, like I'm just up for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit. I mean, we've been talking about your, your personal aspirations, uh, migration, and things like that. So so let's just pivot a bit to law because mm-hmm. it, obviously you're doing chambering now in Cebu. So we we're just discussing, you know, how how do we call you, you know? And yeah. So so I think the right term because you already done UK bar will be a legally qualified person. That means you are, is that you can get your advocates and solicitor title anytime soon, you know, pending whatever requirement. Mm. So I want to talk a little bit about law and the legal culture here. Now, a few days ago, you, you know, there is this walk for judicial independence. Yes. And I think some of your friends even attended, right? Yes, they did. And you were just meeting them. And of course, the whole event is to support independence or judicial system. Now, I just want to ask you briefly, you know, you know, what are your thoughts on the independence of the judiciary? Because obviously, you know our history. Mm. 1988, the whole system kind of blow up by Mahadeer. Yeah. And we became world infamous because mm-hmm. of 1988. And you know, I, I said a few times already in this show, quite a few episodes, we kind of alluded to that. The entire independence is gone. But what do you think, you, you know, in, in terms of the whole conflict between the government the the judiciary you know are we getting the best deal you know i mean as a lawyer if someone say am i going to get justice in malaysia what what are you going to say to them
1: well one of the reasons i wanted to be a lawyer was to get justice for people so if anybody asks me that i will always say i will do my best to help them to get justice But of course, I realize the Malaysian system is slightly different from the UK in the mm-hmm. sense that even down to the nitty gritty, like simple legal principles, you yep. even not have to prove it through case law. Yeah. So it seems f- the Malaysian system is really based on precedence mm-hmm. rather than in like in the UK, you know, you can like Lord Denning, you know, he can make his own law. But here yeah. that the judges are more careful. Yeah. So I would say the judicial independence here is not the greatest like the UK, but it is. it has improved since 1988. Yeah. And I'm just hoping it will continue to improve. I hope that more lawyers and more people in the legal system, if they're really interested in becoming a judge, they should really just go for it. So that there are more options and more people who are really wanting justice for people as well. I think judicial independence should be done, I mean, separate from the executive and legislative Mm -hmm. thing, because that's the reason why we have all these different branches is to really checks and balances. And we don't want people to judge Saying, oh, you know, the court wasn't fair. The judge wasn't fair. We don't really want that. We really have a bad enough reputation in Malaysia here. And that was really one of my dreams for Sibu Because lawyers are always considered one of the bad guys. One of the people (laughs) who are just out for your money, you know. People will pay the doctor because they're sick, you know, they want themselves or their family members to be healed. But in terms of lawyers, they don't necessarily trust them, you know. So I really hope that the narrative for that changes in days to come.
0: So you're talking about the feeling in Cebu, for example, people yeah. don't really trust lawyer?
1: Yeah, I think in Cebu, people don't really trust lawyers. Okay, depends on who the lawyer is. If it's like an old established firm, mm-hmm. probably they'll trust them. But I think for certain lawyers, if they have the, not the greatest reputation, it seems to always travel really fast, Mm -hmm. but somehow they still get clients. So I don't really know like how that works. And also I know people like to always go for court cases and not every lawyer will suggest settlement, you know, Mm -hmm. there's always like a lot of conflict of interest and things like that happening.
0: It's very interesting because just for the benefit of the audience, I I used to work with Vanessa's mom Mm -hmm. and we were always talking about being pro-settlement because what's the point of fighting all the way, right? Let's find some ways to resolve. I'm a very, I mean, because of that influence very early on, I have always been a very pro-settlement kind of lawyer and sometimes clients don't like it, you know, because they are like, oh, you're not... Fighting for my interest, you know. But we have to explain mm. to them look, by not going to court, I'm saving tons for you. I'm getting perhaps a better deal for you.
1: Exactly. And because even sometimes when you go to court, you don't even get the decision you want. And you keep mm. appealing, appealing, and you might even lose, you know. Or let's say you do win it, it's the enforcement that happens. Yeah.
0: It, it's very interesting. The other day my wife was just asking me, you know, why why you don't like to do litigation and Actually, from the very early on, I, I kind of decided I don't want to do litigations. Then I, I realized when I talked to litigation lawyer and you ask them, what's, you know, what, what's my chances? Mm. And they will say, well, the law is for you, but who knows? <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, senior lawyers will talk like that, <laughs> oh, you know, no. a- and nobody dares to give any kind of certainty. And mm. they will say, you seem to have a good case. Mm. Yeah, that's but, what they would say. But they will put a kind of disclaimer, but I won't be surprised if you lose yeah, they always say and that. So
1: actually, your reasoning is similar to my mom's. The reason she doesn't really like to do litigation mm. also is because she can't really control the decision and the outcome. It's like yeah. up to a judge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I do kind of like the idea that if you win and you manage to convince the judge, you know, you did a good job. Yeah. Your skills kind of like helped and all that, and your case was good. So yeah, but otherwise, it's not always the best.
0: And you kind you, of like demonstrate your advocacy skills, mm, and yeah. So so that's something I think a lot of. Law students, when they started off, they, they dream of that kind of impact. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then when they got the license, they're like, oh, this is so far from reality. Yeah. Now, I want to talk a little bit about judicial again, because you mentioned Lord Denning. We know he is famous for making his own law. So, mm-hmm. so not quite unlike like Supreme Court in the United States, you know, where, you know, because when we study law, the judiciary, they are supposed to interpret the law. Yeah. They're not supposed to create new law. Mm-hmm. But people like Denning, obviously, and also many justices in Supreme Court in US, they tend to make... Now, they won't ever admit they're making law. But they'll say, I'm just distinguishing, I'm differentiating from other things. But in fact, they are making new law. Mm. So these kind of things have been happening. So what's your view on the judiciary doing this kind of thing? Should they be allowed to do that? Because the last episode when we talk about the abortion case, mm. that that's the issue that we went into. I imagine there's no right or wrong, but from your point of view, do you feel like judges should have certain leeway to make decisions maybe based on the cultural development, based on social impact, based on public policy? Because public policy, if you read that of standing cases, very often he will go back there and say, the public policy demands that I behave in such a way. Mm. So I know some of the lecturers will be like, oh, yada, yada, <laughs> yada. You know, they were just like, not interested in what Lord Denny has to say. Yeah. But there might be a point. But well, what do you think? I'd like to know what you think about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, actually in the UK, they had a lot of discussion on this as mm-hmm. well, whether judges should also be allowed to create yeah. law. Well, from our usual legal perspective, we would say, oh no, you know, judges aren't allowed to do it. But to a certain extent, the people, like normal people... They, I think in their mind, they also think judges kind of make laws in mm-hmm. a sense. But of course, as because we studied law, we know that they, they don't. But personally, I kind of think if the laws actually help people in a good way, they, maybe there can be some leeway for mm-hmm. them in that. But of course... It's a bit hard to allow judges because to make law because it opens the floodgates then they will be able to do whatever they like you know maybe certain cases they do it this way certain cases another way so I guess that will be against precedence as well so there would mm. not really be any more point in that I guess
0: Yeah there's that, a great debate that's a debate now happening in United States because you have certain people believe in the theory of being original you know follow mm. the original intent you know the golden rule yeah. the interpretation then other people will be like, we should be socially progressive. So so that's really, I, I guess, the tension between the liberal and the conservative in, in many, many nations. Mm. And and of course, United Kingdom being one of the great traditions of common law and yes. what happens there really impact many, many nations, including Malaysia. Yeah, it will be interesting. I like your openness in, in this and You know, one day if people become judged, you know, it's not easy to be judged. It's like there are so many things to consider. Yeah. You go either way, people will hate you for that.
1: Yeah, that's true. Actually, I did think of being a judge (laughs) at a certain point in my life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But then I found out that apparently judges don't have many friends. I'm like, oh no, (laughs) I don't think I want that life.
0: Uh, I mean, it's a higher calling and I mean, I'll be so thrilled to... know. to know someone's personally to be a judge, and <laughs> you know, I, I think if you practice in Sarawak, there, there is more opportunity definitely, mm-hmm. because the whole legal fraternity is is more exclusive, and I I mean, West Malaysian can't be lawyers in Sarawak. Yeah, yeah. So those kind of thing. Mm. Interesting. Now, I want to kind of move towards the end because our time is kind of running out very quickly. <laughs> and I want to talk about your area of passion, okay? And um, because, you know, this show, we are talking about nation building, And I sometimes feel every time we use the word nation building, people get a bit scared because it's like, oh, it sounds so big, it mm. sounds so major. But at the end of the day, it is all about shifting and causing our nation to be better and helping the next generation. So, you know, we, we always use the tagline, pursuing happiness so I I want to ask you what's your area of passion and you know you've been back for more than a year already you have been seeing things so what are the things that really kind of cause you to be passionate and cause you to be like I'm all in and I'm going to give my all in terms of this idea of nation building
1: I think one of the things because of my legal background I really want to see the the legal field in well Malaysia, especially Sarawak change, mm-hmm. in a sense that it's not going to be just all about the money, but really people have the heart to really serve the their clients and really mm-hmm. do things in a proper way, like really follow ethics. And, you know, there's a reason to do it this way and that way. But of course, not just be traditional, but break out of the mold, you know, like advocate for new things that will really support the state and the country as well. Mm-hmm. I just want people to see lawyers in a different light. Like yeah. it's not just, They're not out to just scam you or whatever, you know, that (laughs) kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. And they're not trying to just get your money, you know, they really want to help you. I think another thing is really just to see that the freedom in Malaysia, it's not necessarily wrong to be conservative, but I think certain things in Malaysia are way too conservative or Mm -hmm. not really, well, we say we have this freedom and that freedom, but we don't really see it. So I really want to see what we say is really what we do. Example is like really freedom of religion you can choose what you believe and choose what you want to do. Freedom of speech, I know that like, even in the UK, there's like a certain amount of limit, but yep. I think you should be able to be free on what you, what you want to say, what you believe, you know? Like, I get, if you say things against the government, you will have the sedition yep, yeah. Act and you'll be put in prison. So I think it shouldn't go it doesn't have to be that far, you know, we, in like in the UK, we have prime minister questions and people mm-hmm. always bombard him and yeah, even yeah. the normal people <laughs> can like say, co- give comments and things, but they're, they're still continue doing their roles, you know, they're still trying to be f- doing things for the people. So I want to see like these kind of changes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think starting these kind of changes will really help to shift the nation more really into that nation building. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should be scared of the word nation building because I think it's a really good description of what we want to do because Malaysia has not been built properly for a long time. So if we keep maintaining at this level, we're just going to be left behind and we're not going to experience the fullness of what Malaysia could be. We have so many good things in Malaysia, especially in Sarawak. Like we have so many good food, so many good fruits, you (laughs) know, the people are really nice. And you know, like really that, unfortunately we we market Sarawak as like a ulu ulu place (laughs) or some place that doesn't need that development. But I think basically Malaysia's narrative, Sarawak's narrative Mm -hmm. needs to change. And, I think once people start getting the picture, like getting that big picture, then they can start moving in their call, in their purpose, and not just be floating, floating in life or just going with the flow. Because I think too long we've been going with the mm-hmm. flow in, in, in this place, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, we need to change the culture. We need to change all the, all the things that are Bad habits, perhaps. Mm. You, you know, again, we zoom into our hometown, Cebu. Yeah, just, just thinking <laughs> about the culture, and you know, early on, we we're just talking about how the legal professions not really respected because people don't take us very seriously. And, and of course, it is it, a town that people describe as gangster town. Mm-hmm. We, we have big corporations buying things and don't want to pay. Yes. It's so common, exactly. And it's just that kind of mindset and. And perhaps we can even say it is a mindset of having no integrity, mm. and just wanting to to deceive and cheat. So that that's really good. And I feel like you know, this kind of desire really can rub off, and you know, you have the opportunity to impact not not just lawyers but other people also in, in this arena. So that yeah, so that we are not just continuing. I, I mean, again, I want people to understand we are not dissing any culture <laughs> we're not saying superior inferior but there is a reality of we can become better and yes. I, I don't think that's wrong to say that we should be better and th- that's why the other day i was just looking at a side article talking about food okay mm-hmm. singapore and malaysian food oh yeah and it gets so heated up and things like Always that and, and, and you can just see that it, it's really people wanting that significance, people wanting that validation. Mm-hmm. And when they don't get it, they then they start to behave in, in with a spirit of strife, you know. They, they just want things which are not theirs. Yeah. So I, I feel like there is that kind of spirit operating in Malaysia and especially in Cebu that, mm-hmm. that causes people to be like, you know, we, we just we just need to get what we want regardless of the process, regardless of the result. So I want to end with this two things okay, okay. So, so I think you already mentioned some but <laughs> this is something if you can think of after coming back for one year plus you know maybe you can just share with us one it can be political it can be legal it can be governmental one observation that you have seen in Malaysia and now you already mentioned the hope but another like, like in a very specific hope like, like in, in near future what do you really hope to see happening in, in our nation as a way for us to wrap up?
1: Okay, so now I can think of is I think politically we um, uncut, we lift up politicians a bit too high because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a reason why we call politicians civil servants. <laughs> so, okay, I'm not trying to demean them or anything, but it's really because you are there to serve the people. We've mm-hmm. really elected you because we believe you dare to stand up there for the people you have ideas that can help the country and you're just using your voice to help the nation so i think how we've been treating ybs is a little bit too high because I think a bad habit in Malaysia is we look up, we kang sang but don't kang siya. as in (laughs) we, we look, we give face or we treat people who are richer or who have a higher status and are so high that we forget the people down, like little people down there. But actually, people at every stage matters and I think we, we need to open our eyes and see who really are the politicians or actually the right word is statesmen, like really mm-hmm. those who care for the country and those that will make the right decisions for the country and not so that we are not no longer known as the country that has corruption, that has, you know, whatever, all this hanky-panky and things like that. And when we look at the politicians, we shouldn't just look at their names, we should look at what the parties that they represent mm-hmm. because um, certain parties have their own ideology and their alignments and things. So really, I think... As Malaysians, we need to be more into politics. I know Malaysians, (laughs) we always say politics is dirty, you know, it's bad, just get out of it. But the thing is, if it's so bad, we should actually go into it so that Mm -hmm. we can make the change, you know? You can't just keep leaving it there and let it get worse and worse and worse because like, we don't want to end up being like the French Revolution in the past where Mm -hmm. they actually rose up and had to have killings and bloodbath. We can always do it the democratic way of really electing people who are the right candidates, who are the right fit for the nation maybe we we shouldn't be relying too much on spoon feeding or just on mm. the media. We should really learn how to just go into the internet and dig and really learn and just love the process of learning for your country's sake, you know, not and not just blindly vote or not vote because they ha- give you yep. money, hands out, you know, all these kind of things. Like, can see all that politically. The hope I have for Malaysia is really that they will actually want to be better. Mm-hmm. I think... Overall, people are too complacent or too used to the status quo that we are living in. So I really hope that actually we all break out of our bubble, especially Sarawak, especially my hometown, you know, that people will just have their eyes open, that their hearts will be on fire for the nation and things. And they will just dare to stand up and really speak out what is right for the people because sometimes we can't just rely on those higher up we 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 all really have to have the same same mind same heart same spirit even you know just Mm -hmm. to and then not not just keep complaining about things you know i know overall we've been saying quite a lot of things and again simon has been saying you know we're not trying to discredit whoever and things this episode is just to really wake people up and really just shake us out of that slumber that we've been in and so that we are no longer scared or or being afraid like even just doing this episode for you all, we're just really saying what out on people's hearts, on, on people's minds and really no more complaining. Just do Let's, let's just do something about it. You know, like Nike's slogan. Just do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I love what you say about stop spoon feeding because uh, I, I get the same feeling about our voters, you know. And mm. you, you know, one of the things we've been talking about in the past is can we ever come to a place where we can really look at a candidate and vote the candidate? you know, everyone that tries to stand as an independent so far in the history of Malaysia have been totally wiped out Yep, most of the time. Mm-hmm. And perhaps it's time we go there because uh, I've been speaking to a lot of people and they are just like kind of very, they're in that hope defer mode, you know, after the federal government collapse, then they say my votes doesn't matter. My vote doesn't count. The parties can change. They can, they can just change allegiance and you know, waste my vote. But I just feel like that's very, very negative. Mm. And we really, really need to to find a way to educate people to, I don't even want to say educate, to encourage people, you know. Yeah. And, and so, when you say spoon feeding, you really kind of get my attention that perhaps there are something we can do, you know, even in terms of hey, let's do research, let's look at their background, let's look at their contributions. Mm. You know, that's what is happening in elections. In, in Australia, for example, you know, there are collisions. We talk about that in the Teal episode. They come out and vet the candidate based on what they say. You know, is this what they really say based on their record? Now, yeah. of course, it takes a lot of time and you may even be marked. You know, if you do this, you're against me, mm. you know, in against the culture, they, they will try to come against you. But I guess that's the only way for voters to become more involved, become more sophisticated, I guess, because, I mean, we talk overall in terms of Malaysia, you know, we, we get the government we deserve, but even more so in Sarawak, you know, that people are not really thinking about their, their situation, and which leads me to another question. You know, so many people are saying with the inflation, we're going to recession, we're going to economic hardship. Mm-hmm. Do you feel hardship is going to wake people up?
1: Well, there's a saying my mum <laughs> likes to say, sometimes people won't wake up until they hit rock bottom and yeah. then they wake up. So it's not something I would wish for Malaysia. Hopefully not
0: too late by then. Yeah,
1: hopefully not. So sometimes hardship really is something that wakes people up. But I know everyone sometimes needs, once in a while they need that alarm bell to ring, then they, you know, they wake a up. A kick in the butt. Yeah, a kick in the butt, <laughs> Yeah, actually, all that. So it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. But I think... As long as people don't just give in into the negativity and still keep believing, keep being positive and, you know, trusting that good can always come out of, of it all. Well, inflation has always been a problem that hit countries. So I think we got to see it differently this time mm-hmm. because it's, if you keep seeing it in the same way, it's still not going to change anyways.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's really, uh, I mean, people go into the cycle of very hopeful and doomsday mm. you know, I, I find Malaysians are very extreme yeah, in terms true. of their emotions Yeah, I, I like what you're saying that perhaps it's time to have a different mindset in spite of what is happening I can still prosper Yeah. you know Vanessa has been great talking to you and I, I just feel like you, you know when I meet someone like you then I feel like there's still a lot of hope for our nation because we, we need people like yourself to come back and, and now I'm not saying that comeback is the best thing, don't get me <laughs> wrong. But if you're not here, how are we going to change the nation? But I, exactly. I'm really very, very encouraged that people like you make the choices. Of course, there are many people who can contribute out there. And, and yeah, we, we are very happy for them also. Mm-hmm. So that that's one of the things that keep us going in this show. And so we look forward to having you coming back, maybe for other kind of topics and we are always very interested to hear what the younger generations have to say. So I guess that's all for today. So thank you once again.
1: Okay. Thank you, Simon.
0: Okay. So we'll see you again.
1: See you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.